We're doing this sermon series called um, Making Contact. And, you know, Ken and I were talking about it, and we're like, you know, Cassie has a really, um, I think, a very rich prayer life. And so we just asked her to speak, and I think that this will be really great. So let's invite Cassie up and give her a good hand. myself organized how I like it. All right. How's everybody doing today? Good. Anybody's legs nice and sore from marching yesterday? <laughs> awesome. Good. I like that. Um, well, this was kind of a tough weekend for some of us, a tough week for some of us, and I sort of anticipated that, and in this, like, anticipation of needing self-care, I bought myself an Instant Pot. Does anyone know what an Instant Pot is? Oh my gosh. If you know and you're applauding, I know why you're applauding. If you don't, I'm going to tell you what it is, and I'm going to try not to sound like an infomercial because I'm really super excited about this Instant Pot. <laughs> so it's an electric pressure cooker, and you plug it in, you throw a bunch of stuff in, you push a button, and like dinner's done before you can like yell at your kids to stop coloring on each other and go clean up the toilet paper rolls that they left all over the kitchen floor. It's super amazing. So my mom had an unexpected um, heart uh, surgery, a, a stent put in a couple weeks ago, and um, I made her some chicken and vegetable soup in this thing. I put like raw chicken, vegetables, broth, some seasoning. I went and took a shower, came back, and it was done. Like, it's, um, this thing is amazing. Um, so it's like the most beautiful thing that I own in my kitchen right now. I love it. Every night, Phil's like, what are you putting in the Instant Pot tonight? It's so good. It's like the stuff of dreams for impatient people like myself. So this basically is a good illustration of who I am as a person, though. So in my life, when I make a decision to do something, I want it done yesterday. I don't want to wait. I want to, like, throw everything in and push a button and have it done with a quickness. I want an instant pot life. <laughs> and yet, I've noticed, paradoxically, that God speaks to me in a very specific way, which requires me to, as my six-year-old would say, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> like, he wants me to have a crockpot life. So at the beginning of this series, Making Contact, Emily said that God speaks the language of humans in order to reach us and communicate with us. And often I think that we view prayer exclusively as speaking, kind of like Steve was saying, like we're saying words to God and we're pleading with him and we're making requests or we're telling him how great he is. And it can be those things as we see recorded throughout the Bible and modeled around us in churches oftentimes. But as I really think about my experience with, experiences with significant, life-changing moments in prayer, those have always, always been during a time of quiet listening. Ecclesiastes um, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. As an introvert, I find this very reassuring. And as a busy person with three active kids and lots on my plate who wants things done yesterday, it's kind of refreshing that I don't have to be the one to make something happen for once. And for me, that line, God is in heaven and you are on earth, speaks to the absolute brilliance and creativity of the gentle Holy Spirit of God who sees things that I cannot see and who wants to creatively use some of his knowledge of those things to bring me comfort and peace. About this time last year, we talked about worship as a connection point to God, ourselves, and each other. 
And during that talk, I mentioned that my two personal connection points with God are worship and prayer. Emily asked me if I would speak today about my experience with prayer because she knows how important experience is to me. Emily said at the beginning of this series also that it's difficult to stand up here and talk about experiencing God in tangible ways because it's pretty personal and it requires a lot of vulnerability to expose this deeply personal and intimate connection. And also, let's just throw it out there, you might be skeptical of my experience. You might think I'm completely deluded or that I'm looking for something that just isn't there. And I get it, I understand that perspective. But it's worth it for me to stand up here and share my experience for three reasons. Number one, I am not special. There is nothing that makes me more precious than anyone else in this room or any other room anywhere. And that means that if I can hear from God, anyone can hear from God in the way that he chooses to speak to them. And when we open ourselves up to God, who is capital L, love, speaking truth into us at our core, we become more of who we actually are. And when we as individuals become more steeped in capital L, love, we then bring that capital L, love, into our relationships and our communities and eventually the world. And imagining living in a world like that brings me much needed hope now more than ever. Number two. I need connection in order to even believe in God. Whoa. <laughs> Blind faith just has never been enough of a reason for me to believe. And having those experiences of hearing from God carries me through the times when I don't hear from him as often for whatever reason. I have so much admiration for those of you with a strong faith in the unseen. I just don't have it by itself without the connection experience. I liken myself to the bratty little sister of this church family, I guess, like demanding proof at every turn. Thankfully, God is merciful with me. But in all of my relationships, I require depth, meaningful connection, and vulnerability. So I guess I just figure, why should my relationship with God be any different than that? Which brings me to number three. Some of you might be familiar with Brene Brown's work on shame and vulnerability, and I highly recommend that you read her stuff or watch her TED Talks if you're not a big reader. Um, but vulnerability allows us to be seen for who we are. And without that, we can never really be truly connected to anyone or anything. So by sharing my experience with all of you, I'm opening up a connection point. So I'm going to get vulnerable with you and I'm gonna share some of my personal experiences in prayer. And with their permission, I'll be talking about my kids a little bit also. I would like to respectfully ask everyone not to talk to my kids about what I share today or about their experiences with prayer because while they agreed to let me share some of their stories, they're kids and I'm their mom and I want to protect their personal experiences and not have them feel self-conscious about things that they've experienced. So thank you in advance for that. So my kids, like most, occasionally will wake up with nightmares in the middle of the night. For years, I would try to convince them that they were safe and I would try to talk them out of their fears and attempt to reassure them that their fears were unfounded but no amount of rationalization ever worked, as you know, if you're a parent. You can't talk them out of their fear because that fear is very real to them, especially in that moment. And one night, one of my girls woke up particularly worked up over a bad dream and she was having a lot of trouble falling back asleep. And so as always, I asked her to tell me about her dream. She told me that she was in a very dark room and there was something buried in the ground and she went over to it and when she started digging, she found a mummy wrapped in cloth and this terrified her and she woke up just completely beside herself. So we're sort of working through this thing, and in a moment of exhausted desperation in the middle of the night, I decided to do for her what God does for me in prayer. I retold the story. I said, well, what if this wasn't a mummy at all? 
what if it was your stuck duck, stuck, stuffed duck, and he was all wrapped up in a blanket, and he was just playing hide-and-seek with you? And that little story changed everything for her. Her tears stopped, she started giggling, and her racing heart slowed, and she fell back asleep almost instantly. So that's how we handle bad dreams now. My kids still have them, but now I simply change the narrative of their dreams by retelling the story from a different point of view. And sometimes it's hard to do, especially in the middle of the night with some of these crazy bad dreams that they have. But the result is the same, it always works. I can see the fear fall off of them as they smile at whatever silly story I create and they fall back asleep peacefully. Prayer for me is like that. My personal experience of Jesus in prayer is that he and he alone can change the narrative that I have created for myself or has been created for me. He can't change what happened to me, but he can change my perception of it, which brings healing. And he can do that instantly and irreversibly. So we'll be talking a little bit about Emmanuel prayer during this series. And I've had some pretty powerful experiences with this prayer method. I've been trying it out with my kids because I really want them to have their own experiences of getting to know Jesus and interacting with him. So Steve talked a little bit about the method, but I'll go through it again quickly. It's generally designed to be done with two people. One of those people will think of a positive memory, prayerfully, something happy. They'll describe it in detail for the partner. So anything that they smelled or heard, anything they felt, things they saw. And then they'll thank Jesus for that memory and the positive feelings associated with the memory. And then you'll come to a moment where you'll, you'll ask Jesus where he was in that memory. Another note that Emily mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the voice of Jesus will always be loving. He is our advocate and not our accuser. So you can always go into this method of prayer or any method of prayer without any fear. Now, before I exposed my kids to listening prayer and Emmanuel prayer in particular, it was heartbreaking to witness their frustration with not being able to hear God's voice to pray and not get any response. And I could empathize because that's what I feel like when I pray and I hear nothing. I tell them all the things that we talk about as adults, all the things I've heard my whole life. God doesn't always answer you. Keep knocking, keep seeking. Sometimes God says, wait. And while those things might be true, it was causing so much frustration and doubt in my kids who were earnestly seeking God, but not having any encounters or experience with this God who I kept insisting to them was living and loving and wanted to speak with them. But Emmanuel prayer changed all of that. Recently, my nine-year-old's beloved teacher took a position at another school just days after the election, which was a really hard time for many of us here, my family included. It was a lot of loss and uncertainty for her tender little heart to bear. And all of her pain and anxiety began manifesting itself in pretty significant ways. At bedtime one night, which is often the most fraught time for her in general, I asked her if she wanted to try some Emmanuel prayer, and she said okay. So I had her close her eyes and tell me about a happy memory. She thought for a moment and then relayed a happy memory. It was personal to her, but she relayed it to me in detail. And I thank Jesus for that happy time that she was experiencing. And then I asked her to take her time looking around the memory and see if she could imagine Jesus anywhere. I could sort of see a little bit of like frustration on her face trying to find him. And I said, it's okay, take your time. We've got time, you don't have to rush this. So after some time, all of a sudden her eyes just popped open and they were filled with tears and the tears just started pouring down her cheeks. And I said, did you, did you see Jesus? <laughs> like I'm getting nervous. <laughs> and she said, I feel Jesus is holding my hand and he's telling me not to be afraid. 
And it seems to have turned things around for her quite a bit. Because maybe if the God of the universe is telling her directly that she doesn't need to be afraid, she believes it. So now this is how we pray together. We've done it as a family at the dinner table. We've done it at bedtime. We've done it in the car when we're going to and fro. It doesn't have to be in response to something traumatic happening. It can really just be a fun way of engaging our imaginations in prayer and making those connections with God and with each other. My kids always experience the presence of Jesus in these moments. Sometimes they see him, sometimes he says something to them, and often I'll try to help them discern the message and ask questions to see if it applies to something that's currently going on with them. For example, one time one of my kids felt this sense of Jesus' kindness towards them, and we use that to talk about extending that same kindness to other people. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 30. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God and that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So in my prayer life, Jesus, the wisdom from God, uses things that aren't to nullify the things that are. So the things that are can be shame anger, fear, resentment, worry. And he's using, using things that aren't or aren't currently in my worldview or my perception, like showing me where he was in a time when I was completely unaware of his presence. And then he's using that to speak truth to me about his love for me. I think that's the coolest thing about Emmanuel prayer. We as humans are just sort of going through our lives and we're acquiring experiences which then become memories, but and I'll speak for myself here, I'm not always super attuned to where God is or what he's doing when I'm schlepping kids to their activities or doing the millionth load of laundry for the week or, for example, the time my kids opened a gallon of paint and dumped it out and then ran all over my basement tracking paint everywhere. That gives me an awesome perspective and it reminds me that God truly is always with us. Like, he was with the kids when they were like making footprints, right? When they were really little. But he was also commiserating with me while I cleaned it up. It also reminds me how brilliant God is because he can use literally anything to speak to us. Now, I was introduced to this type of listening prayer a number of years ago. That was called something else, but the concept was the same. This particular time, the memory that came to me was a little bit distressing. So I was sitting in math class in third grade, taking my timed multiplication test. Now, I'm about to get very vulnerable and personal with you, and Phil's smiling because he knows what I'm going to say. This is real talk. I don't know my times tables past the threes, you guys. It's horrible. I use my fingers. I use calculators. Now I use my phone. Phil bought me flashcards for Christmas one year. Didn't take. Never took. It's embarrassing. So anyway, I'm... I'm sitting in this memory at my desk in my third grade classroom and I'm staring at this paper and I'm feeling actual test anxiety like in this memory. I don't know any of the answers to any of the problems and all of a sudden the timer rings and it lets me know that the time is up and I'm sitting there feeling that same heavy shame that I felt years ago as a child for not knowing the answers, for not advancing with my classmates to the next set of problems and for feeling stupid 
and feeling like a failure. And I asked Jesus where he was. I saw him walk over next to me and he bent over my paper and he stood there for a really long time and I'm still sitting there in the memory feeling like stupid. I'm wondering what he's gonna say. And I see him just studying my paper. And then finally he picked up my pencil and he wrote something at the top of the paper. And when he stood up, I looked at my paper and he had written an A plus at the top of my paper, my incomplete paper. Now, obviously this wasn't a commentary on my mathematical prowess or on the importance of learning and applying yourself. But the message that that A plus sent to me was that Jesus fully accepted me, flaws and all, and that my accomplishments or lack thereof were not what made me complete. So when A.D. Wasink, who is the pastor of the Iowa City um, Blue Ocean Church, she came to Ann Arbor a couple of years ago to teach Emmanuel prayer, and we paired up and practiced. And my memory during that time was of my mom playing the piano for us um, in our living room. She used to play the piano for my brothers and sister and I, and we would just dance and dance and dance. So this is one of those times. I was about eight years old, and she's playing, and we're all dancing to the music, and I'm spinning around and around and getting dizzy and falling down and then getting back up and spinning around and around and just laughing, just how I do, right? Just bursts of laughter. And I get back up and do it again. And then when it came time to ask Jesus where he was in the memory, it took me forever to see him there. But when I did, he was standing next to the piano, smiling, and I thought... I mean, I guess that's cool. He's smiling, he thinks it's fun or whatever. But I just decided to sit and wait expectantly because I really wanted more than that. So I waited and I waited and just watched him sitting by the piano. And finally, I felt something just wash over me. And I felt like it was his pleasure in watching me behave without any sense of decorum or propriety at all. Like that laughing, falling down, not caring what anyone thinks version of myself delights him. The sense was so intense that I started just weeping and like soaking it up like a dry sponge. I didn't even realize I'd been so hungry for that encouragement. It was very intimate and it was very, very real. And then on the way home, I saw a billboard because God likes to speak to me for some reason through billboards sometimes. It's weird. This one was the Lake Trust billboard that I'm sure you've all seen. And the tagline is, it's more rewarding to be yourself. That spoke directly to what he was saying to me. A more recent experience of Emmanuel Prayer was at the Blue Ocean National Conference a couple of months ago that Steve talked about. And this was, again, recently post-election. So Penny Johnson and I were partners. And my memory that time was of laying out in the sun with two of my girlfriends from high school when we were about 16 years old. And I was smelling that sun in that I sprayed in my hair. Do you guys ever use that stuff? It was so gross. I'm sorry if any of you still use it, but it was gross. <laughs> But I could smell it in my memory and I was feeling the warmth, you know, of the sun on my skin. It was just a really hot day and just like that feeling, you know, that just, ah, oh, it feels so good, the sun on your skin. And I could hear the music that we had blaring on our boom box. And when I got to the part about asking Jesus where he was, I felt like he said, I'm in the lyrics of the song. So I looked at Penny, like my eyes opened, I'm like, he says he's in the lyrics of the song. So I grabbed my phone and I start Googling. And the song that was on was Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. Like, it's so random. And so I was like, like, I'm looking at the lyrics on my phone. I'm like, these lyrics are weird. They don't make any, they're weird. But as the day went on, I kept referring back to them. And with each line, I could feel his heart for me in my personal post-election distress. It was really strange. I felt him saying just generally, like through the lyrics, you're in pain and you're tired. I see you. I know it feels hopeless, but keep, keep calling out to me. I hear you. Use your voice. Use your voice. 
use your voice. The funniest thing was, when I did some research about the intended meaning of that song, just out of curiosity, I found out that the lead singer wrote it kind of as a song about nothing. It's like the Seinfeld of songs. It was supposed to be nonsense. And I was like, well, that's what you think, Soundgarden. <laughs> but God took that memory from when I was 16 years old and pulled it into the present time, like sun coming through a black hole, almost 22 years later, to bring me comfort in my present distress. He was saying, he is my black hole son. What? So the only way that this type of prayer works is if we're willing to wait and listen. Crockpot, not instant pot. And this can be the basis for prayer, whether you're using a manual prayer or not. The thing is, though, if I'm waiting, I'm also going to be expectant. So most times I'll press in and I'll ask more questions. Again, like that bratty little sister. What does that mean? Is there more? Am I missing something? Do you want to say something else to me? And then I wait again for more. There's no limit to the depths that God can take you into his love, but you have to exercise that prayer muscle by practicing. This type of listening prayer has opened up lines of communication between me and God. Using this type of prayer and practicing it has tuned me into what the Holy Spirit frequency sounds like for me. And the more I practice it, the easier it is to hear from God. Using it with my kids has given them access to God in a way that legitimately impacts their lives. I'm learning what it feels and sounds like when God is speaking to me. My kids are learning what it feels and sounds like when God speaks to them. We're gaining a greater awareness of his presence in the small moments of our lives, which ends up being pretty transformative. You know, like when you put a bunch of stuff in an instant pot and out comes dinner. So I'd like to take a couple of minutes for some time to actually practice um, some Emmanuel prayer. And we're not going to break up into partners because I don't want it to get weird. You might be your first time and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know anybody. So we're just going to do a little amended version where we're going to just practice it within ourselves. And of course, you don't have to do this. You're free to use this time however you'd like to, but I'll just guide, guide us through it a little bit if you'd like to try and just see, see how it feels to try this method of prayer out. So let's just close our eyes for a moment and we'll quiet our hearts. And just think of a happy memory. You can actively think of one. If one doesn't jump out at you, it's okay. Just give you a minute to do that. Once you have your memory, I want you to put yourself back into that memory. So put yourself there. Really engage your imagination in order to go back into that time and that place. And once you've done that, I want you to think about what you see. What you see around you and kind of just describe it in your mind to yourself. Take a listen. See if you hear anything. Notice any sounds. Do you taste anything? Do you feel anything on your skin or in your heart? And allow yourself to fully experience that. Immerse yourself in the memory and the experience of that memory. Now I'd like you to thank Jesus for that happy memory 
and for showing it to you and for being present with you in it. And now I want you to ask Jesus where he was at that memory and then just wait, wait for his answer. If you see him there, you can ask him if he wants to say something to you. And if he says something and you need clarification, ask him what he means. And just wait and listen. And as we're wrapping up here, just know that this doesn't have to end here. You can take this experience home you can take it in the car. You can always ask him to show you more about what he's showing you. So I'll just end in prayer. Jesus, I just thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for desiring connection with us. Please give us grace as we attempt to be vulnerable and connect with you. Please give us opportunities and gentle reminders in our lives to pause and reflect on your presence. Amen.